0: Thank you for your message, Miss Amanda, and boys and girls, thank you for being such good listeners. You did a great job today. Let us continue listening to the Lord speak as we go to the gospel lesson for today, which is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. You'll hear Mary's song in these verses, known by the first word in the Latin, the magnificat. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and that baby would be John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.'" Speaking of Jesus. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. And the people said, Amen. This summer, Amanda Lott, as you just heard in our children's message, our pastor of children and families, spent time individually with the children in her ministry. She would set up times to take them one-on-one to breakfast to get to know them better and to talk and listen and also have spiritual conversations. One day, Amanda and Noah came back. Noah, are you in the room? There he is. Hey, Noah, thanks for letting me share your story today. One day, Amanda had taken Noah to breakfast, and they came back, and Noah was waiting on his mom to come pick him up, and they happened to stop by my office, and looking around at the things in the office, and there in the corner near my desk, I have a tall globe sitting in a globe stand. And Noah went over to the globe and started looking at it, and I walked over to it, and he was showing me the various explorers whose names were on the globe with the little ships that they sailed on. He was telling me who they were. He was naming the various oceans and seas on the globe. We spun the globe around, we picked the globe up and had fun with it, and then put it back in its container upside down. It came time for Noah to leave and I looked over at the globe and I left it just like it was because I sensed that that upside down globe represents the mission that God has given me as a pastor, to see that the gospel is proclaimed and that we turn the world upside down. As the gospel intends for it to be, God is with us, transforming us from the inside out, transforming us to turn the world upside down. Right around that same time, after they had made the visit to my office, I was doing long range sermon planning. Our staff, we do worship and sermon planning typically two quarters in advance. And, uh, and then at the end of August, I was focusing m- in more detail on the Advent scriptures. When I read the text for today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, Mary's song, and saw the content and the mandate of the gospel in the latter part of her message, the term reverse polarity came to mind. When I, I, I looked at the, the the globe, I remembered that story and for whatever reason, maybe it was back from my high school physics class or something I picked up along the way, the term reverse polarity came to mind, and I recorded that in my notes, my planning notes, as the sermon for t- title for today. By the way, that is a message that students, even though sometimes you have no idea why you're studying what you are studying now, there's a way that God will enable it to be put to use later on down the road. So study hard and keep after it. Reverse polarity is a geological term that explains the Earth's magnetic field when it is reversed. You can look it up. Magnetic north is south, and magnetic south is north. This has happened consistently throughout the millennia, and it is traced by the footprint left in the Earth's rock formations. The Earth still spins on its twenty three and a half degree axis. The Earth still rotates once every twenty four hours. It still revolves around the Sun once every three hundred and sixty five point some odd days. The four seasons still occur, but every so often, some say less than others i 'm going to say four to ten thousand years the earth 's dynamo, the powerful molten iron core that causes us to have this great magnetic protection shield around us will pause it's sort of like it takes a Sabbath and then it reverses direction and compasses that normally would point north will point south and those pointing south pointing north and then over another season of years it will reverse itself yet again we may not know that that would happen unless we looked at our compass Maybe migrating birds, hummingbirds, and butterflies might pick up on that too. But the point is, we are called to turn the world upside down. The upside down globe is a daily reminder for me to see the world different and to think outside of the box, to live into the gospel mandate that is different than the way that the world lives. I believe Christmas is like that it's about seeing things differently breaking traditional images, getting outside the box. Mary's visit to Elizabeth isn't just a meeting between two women who are pregnant. It's the introduction of a Messiah named Jesus to a prophet named John. Think about the kick of an unborn child. It's not simply a sign here of fetal vitality. It's the leg kick of John the Baptist jumping for joy. Mary's unplanned pregnancy isn't... A problem for her, really, it's a reason to rejoice in the great things God is doing. And the child that Mary is carrying, he'll be a mighty king, but not a traditional one. He would turn it upside down. He will be the Messiah God uses to bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. The Christmas story shatters our expectations and pushes us outside the box especially the very delicately and intricately decorated holiday box. It blows away our understandings of things that usually happen when two women get together for a conversation to support one another. It helps us see things differently, to see a hug between Mary and Elizabeth as a meeting between John and Jesus, a kick in the belly as a fist bump of recognition, A song of praise as a celebration of God's ability to turn the world upside down. Maybe, maybe, it's more than seeing outside the box. Maybe it's getting beyond the box altogether. Maybe it's breaking through the institutional mentality of keeping things the same just because it's safer and more comfortable for us. The word that one writer uses here is iconoclastic. Icon meaning a symbol or an image, and iconoclast means to break down images. It can be negative when in the early years of the church, many would try to uh, break down images that they thought were worshipped falsely, but we can look at it in a positive way to take down something that should be replaced with something better. When Moses destroyed the golden calf that people had made, he was an image breaker, When Elijah destroyed the Baal prophets, he was an image breaker. When Paul challenged the Athenians' worship of objects, he was an image breaker. And when Jesus challenged the money changers and the merchants who were exploiting religion for profit in the temple, he was an image breaker, an iconoclast. Luke reminds us that we celebrate an image-breaking, iconoclastic Christmas when we accept that god has performed mighty deeds with his arm that he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts that he has brought down rulers from their thrones and that he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when we challenge the status quo and think and see outside the box, we can tear down traditional restraints and do things that traditionally-minded people say cannot be done. Think about things in our country and world that are outside this box. The Wright brothers were doubted. People never thought they would fly. Even our government dismissed them, and the French picked up on it quickly more quickly and used aviation in their military where the United States was just trying to catch up or Walt Disney who at age 22 was fired from a Missouri newspaper for not being creative enough what thinkers of of others who have challenged conventional thinking Bill Gates, who had a dream that there would be a computer in every home and on every desk. People thought that was nonsense. Steve Job, who was rebuked for trying to sell music online through this new thing called the iTunes and the Apple Store. Whoever would have thought that we would be streaming music from a device in our pocket and being able to communicate around the world and interface with people in the way that we do. Image breakers they were. Think of those who created Amazon and Google and Netflix. Things that we never imagined. People in their garage thinking outside the box. Image breakers. Think of Billy Graham who gave uh, a a, a better face, a more uh, positive face to evangelism and was able to meet people all over the world and teach them about the gospel message or Martin Luther King who had a dream that people of different races, black and white, and all would be coming together, and still that dream needs to be worked upon as, as we of people uh, worship, all often uh, in, in segregation on Sundays, That's something we need to work on. Think of Mother Teresa, uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, Barack Obama, our first African-American president. People who never thought these people would bring to fruition what they did. They are image breakers. People who do what others say cannot be done, and they do it by seeing things differently. Which brings us to Mary and Elizabeth. Who see things not for what they are, but but what they might be. The conventional wisdom of the first century would trap these women as second-class citizens. Elizabeth, who was unable to have children, would have been looked down upon. In her old age, she never thought that she would have a child. And Mary, most would look down upon her for being with child and not having been married. But what does Elizabeth say when Mary greets her and John gives her a kick in her womb? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord might come to me? With the help of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth sees that God is breaking tradition and doing things differently by sending the Lord Jesus into the world through a young girl named Mary. And then there's Mary, who because of her simple knowledge of biology, is a total image breaker when she believes in this angel's word about having a baby without a human father that takes some thinking or faith that's beyond the conventional. In our text, Mary responds with reverse polarity. Breaking into song, she proclaims, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. She praises God for looking with favor upon her, although she has done nothing to earn or receive God's attention. And that same gift is available for you and me today. There's nothing that you and I have done or or, uh, worked on Uh, to earn God's favor. The gift of Jesus is a pure gift to us. All we have to do, like Mary, is to receive it and put our trust in God as God works through our lives. The passage continues, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. She sings, does Mary, and she points to the ways in which God would turn the world upside down, scattering the proud, bringing down the powerful, lifting up the lowly, and feeding the hungry, reminiscent of the Beatitudes of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. She knows that God isn't trapped by traditional ideas or institutions and that God would show favor to those who respect Him, not to those who have the most earthly power or the most possessions. That, I believe, is an image-breaker for sure. Back in the first century, it was assumed that material wealth was a sign of God's favor, while poverty was a sign of God's displeasure. And if we're honest, we do the same thing today. We practice in our culture prosperity, theology, or simply pass judgment on people who ask us for handouts. But Mary questions this, saying that... God's mercy is for those who fear him, not for those who have the biggest bank accounts. Mary's song also grounds this reality in the promises that God made to her ancestors long ago. In verse 54 and following, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So the question is this, Could it mean for us that we are to turn the world upside down this Christmas? What does that mean? Let us think about it. Let's get creative and constructive, seeing things not uh, uh, for what they are, but what they might become. In another couple of days, you and I will see Christmas presents given and received, decorations both understated and eye-popping, parties both tasteful and over-the-top, Visits from family and friends, some enjoyable, some stressful. And that's just the way it is. But Mary invites us to see things differently and to find true joy in a new place, the gift of God's favor. God really does love you. We say that frequently in this place. And his affection has nothing to do with our education. Our background, our achievements, our job security, our bank account, our marital status, etc. In fact, the surprising insight of Mary's song is that God, in verse 48, it says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She announces that God favors us in our lowliness, in our humility, in our simple willingness to lean in on God. That is upside-down thinking. That's good news for us, especially in a year filled with political turmoil, government shutdowns, mistrust of leaders, racial tension, cynicism, and global change. When the world around us just doesn't seem to care, God favors us. When the future seems uncertain, God promises to do great things for us. God, through Mary, announces His mercy is those who, for whom uh, fear Him from generation to generation and that God will never let His people down. That is image-breaking, expectation-shattering, radically reassuring, and turning the world upside down, reverse polarity kind of faith. And that's not all. According to Mary, this image-breaking view of Christmas cannot be limited to our own personal relationships with God. It also has to do with joining God in what God is doing in the world around us. This means signing up, yes, signing up to work with Mary's son, the son of the carpenter, Jesus, to bring down the powerful from their thrones, to lift up the lowly, to fill the hungry with good things. One writer suggests that Mary's words are a declaration from a voice at the bottom of society. It's a voice crying from the depths that God's Messiah was finally bringing justice for the poor. It's a voice proclaiming a new order, an order centered on Mary's son, the one who is coming to save people from their sins. So part of our Christmas image breaking has to involve taking our heads out of the holiday boxes and looking around. When the wrapper, wrapping paper is cleaned up and the decorations are put away, we need to join Jesus in making for a better world, one in which the powerful are held accountable and the powerless given support and opportunity. Each one of us has a role to play, whether we're expressing our values in the voting booth or in the pocketbook, working toward reconciliation, helping a poor family find affordable housing finding transportation to good jobs, advocating for asylum seekers and refugees, teaching English as a second language to immigrants, and so many other ways that we can be about helping the least of these God's children because Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these my children, you have done it unto me. Jesus wants us to know that we are favored by God. But he also wants us to share that love and acceptance with others by reshaping our communities along the lines of God's new order with opportunity and justice for all people. Christmas is about seeing what might be instead of just what is. That's what Elizabeth did when she welcomed an unwed mother with joy. That's what Mary did when she rejoiced in God's favor. That's what Jesus did when he came into this world to save us from our sins and to bring justice to the poor. As I was preparing for today, I, I came upon a story related back to 9-11. On March 30th of 2002, a firefighter was searching for victims of the 9-11 attacks at the World Trade Center in New York City, and he discovered a burnt Bible a burnt Bible fused to a piece of steel. Some of you know this story. The barely legible top page is open to none other than the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And these verses were clear. Verse 38 and following, You have heard what it said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person if anyone slaps you on the right cheek Turned to them the other cheek also. So many chapters, so many verses, but these were the words that were found permanently exposed at ground zero after the 9 11 attacks. The firefighter found, found the fragment under the Tully Road, which was a temporary truck route that was built over the remnants of the last tower. He called out to the photographer who was investigating with him who was nearby, Joel Merowitz, who was the record keeper for Ground Zero. Merowitz is later quoted as saying, This shredded, burned, and rubble-covered Bible came to me from the loving hands of a fireman who knew that I was the record keeper of Ground Zero. My astonishment at seeing the page that the Bible was open to made me realize the Bible's message survives through time. And in every era, we interpret its teachings freshly as the occasion demands. With the guide, God's word as our guide, how will we think out of the box this year? What needs to be turned upside down in my life, in your life? Will you turn that over to God? Maybe you'll experience a spiritual reverse polarity. And will you and I be open to joining Jesus in his world-changing, image-breaking, people-reconciling mission in this world? Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for this not-chance encounter between an old woman who never thought she would have a child And a young woman who biologically shouldn't have. And yet these two hug. And there was a meeting between the prophet and the Messiah. And nothing has been the same since. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, let us remember this story. And remember how we are called to be image breakers. To go out into this world. And turn it upside down. That's the gospel mandate. It's wonderful to have. Gifts to exchange. And trees to decorate. And cookies to bake. And songs to sing. And services to attend. And family to visit. But in the midst of that. Let us remember the baby. The baby who was born. To set us free. Help us to go forth and share that good news every time we have a chance, remembering that your word is faithful and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.